This is the Worldly Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Luke. Through the conversations we're having here on our podcast, we're seeking to connect with what worldly wellbeing means. And by listening, you're joining that conversation. We're delighted that Brandon Robertson is able to join us for our conversation today, where we're going to be talking about the areas that he's really passionate about and some of the new innovative spaces that he's moving into. I'm really looking forward to going international again. So let's jump across the waters to America and get stuck in. So hi there, Brandon. Hey there, it's so good to be here. Hey, Brandon, thank you for coming along. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Would you be willing uh, to share a little bit about yourself, Brandon, and um, what you're up to? Totally. Well, my name is Brandon Robertson. I am a gay Christian author, activist, and pastor. Um, I just left uh, leading a church for four years in San Diego, and I'm back in Washington, D.C. doing advocacy work uh, at the intersections of sexuality and racial justice. And so, um, really, that's what my life work and calling has been, is figuring out how to equip and empower faith communities and people of faith to um, not just solidify our organized religion, but rather to use religion as a tool for organizing and creating a, a more beautiful world. And so, yeah, that's that's what I'm up to right now. Uh, and uh, I, like I said earlier, before we started, I love uh, the conversations you're cultivating here. I think it's so important. And so I'm glad to, to be a conversation partner today. Brilliant. It sounds like you are keeping yourself busy, Brandon. <laughs> yes, I am uh, a constant multitasker and so yeah. trying to do as much as I can. Uh, and yeah, always busy. <laughs> <laughs> so you've moved from the um, sunny sites of Southern California to the less sunny <laughs> Washington, D.C. Um, I visited you a few years ago in, in California and um, I've got friends that still live in San Diego. Um, so what prompted you to, I mean, on a rainy, dreary day in the UK, I often dream about Southern California. So I'm wondering what prompted you to make the move from from San Diego over to DC? Yeah, well, there's so many, so many different um, pieces to uh, my transition out of pastoral ministry full time. And primarily, it was because, uh, one, I'm from DC, I grew up here, and this is home. And frankly, the pace of the East Coast is more my speed, we move fast, people are involved in uh, all sorts of things. And in San Diego, uh, it's definitely a beach town and it's slower, which was great for me for four years, but uh, I was ready to be back in the mix of it all. But also, um, after being within a parish for four years and leading a parish, I began to see, especially over COVID, that ministry didn't have to be limited to brick and mortar buildings. Um, as we all moved online during COVID, I started using TikTok and uh, I felt like an old person on TikTok just because uh, it was all kids and I didn't understand how to use it. But I started getting on and talking about theology and religion and mental health and quickly uh, gained a platform there of 130,000 followers over a couple months. And that really was an eye-opening moment of, wow, we can continue to teach good religion and good theology um, and not be confined to the four walls of a church. And so um, I'm kind of in a stage right now where I, I want to be doing activism full-time and exploring what it looks like to be a pastor without walls. Um, and so that's really what I'm doing in this this moment of my life. Good view on the TikTok 
because uh, I saw Holly nodding as well. I have not got a flipping clue. <laughs> I have actually made one TikTok video with my brother's girlfriend. And we did the one where you pretend to make the sound of an, an ambulance siren or a fire engine. So one of us does the knee, no, knee, no. And the other one does the wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, I've got absolutely no idea what you're doing. Um, um I wish this was a visual piece so that people could see the hand gestures that came with that. TikTok is so much fun in that sense, but it also like it's cultivating deep conversations. And not, I didn't mean to sound a bit ageist uh, earlier because the truth is there are tons of folks from older generations that are really engaged on the app as well. And the truth is, once you get into it, it is an addiction. Uh, and so uh, you're probably best staying away for the time being. But it is a great platform to reach a different audience of people with these quick 60-second videos. Well, I guess that's the thing with, with social media generally, isn't it? It's a, a really great tool to engage in dialogue, but it also has a slightly... Um, complicated element to it as well. There are aspects of social media that I find deeply uncomfortable um, and know for my own kind of mental health and personal well-being that I've chosen to disengage with certain platforms and, and, and kind of reduce phone usage and that kind of thing because it actually can be quite, as well as it being really beneficial, it can actually be quite an insidious place as well. Yeah, I mean... I resonate with that deeply. I lost my phone last week. And so I was uh, four days without uh, my iPhone. And initially, I actually tweeted about this, uh, which is funny enough. But um, I tweeted that as soon as I lost my iPhone, the sense of despair that came over me, it sounds ridiculous, but I like was literally panic attack edge of existential crisis. And it just was, it was a really interesting moment to reflect on how much my life is tied up in this piece of technology. And uh, frankly, it was a nice four days without it once I got over the initial panic. And now that I have my new phone, I'm back connected 24-7 and trying to, like you said, figure out what does a healthy relationship with all of this look like? And that's a hard question. It's such a paradox, I find, of your phone and social media and connectivity of in one sense, you're connected to anyone and everyone in the world. And yet equally, you can feel so alone and isolated. Yeah. And then there's that feeling of being torn between, well, I maybe, I don't know if I'm putting words into your mouth here, Brandon, sorry, I apologize. But no. it seems like you are using TikTok and social media for really positive uh, means. So there must be part of you that's like, oh my gosh, this is such a great platform. And then part of you that's like, oh my gosh, am I just feeding into maybe the negative aspects? And do I want to be completely attached to my phone, to this world where I still don't see these people in real life? Yeah. I mean, I think these are conversations we all really need to be having consistently because you're right. I mean, technology is so good. We can't imagine a world without the internet. We can't imagine a world without technology. And like, in a very real sense, not to sound too out there, but like humans, we're kind of evolving into some sort of cyborg-like thing. Like we can't exist without some version of connection to the internet. And um, and yet, like you said, I wrestle with this because, I mean, not only is it the addiction of being looking at a screen for, I mean, God help me when I look at my iPhone when it tells me how long I've been on the phone each day. Oh, that's it's painful. Terrifying. It it's, is. It's horrendous. Yeah. And uh, 
the other things that come with social media, like I'm on TikTok all the time reading negative comments. And as much as I put on the front that none of this bothers me, my mental health, it does take a toll. I mean, since I've been on TikTok, as great as it is, goodness, my anxiety has been high. And uh, goodness, I've been so self-conscious about things that I normally wouldn't be. And I mean, it's just the social media conversation. We're just beginning it. We've got to remember we're like the first generation millennials to really grow up completely in a digital world. And I think we really need to wrestle with um, what it looks like to embrace the good, but also learn how to cast off social media and technology so that we can have some semblance of a normal human existence. That's um, interesting you say that, Brandon, because my question that I warned you about earlier um, was sort of precisely that. So I noticed on your Instagram, because I'm into Instagram and I feel cool about that. Yeah. Uh, not really for TikTok. Um, but I noticed that there were some really what I would find upsetting and quite strong opinions and comments countering what you're saying. And I wondered how you maybe personally deal with that and what that looks like in a kind of wider context of the work you're trying to do, which we think is amazing. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And I think... I mean, there is one side of this which is sad but true and is I've gotten used to this. I think uh, anybody who does space in the LGBT Christian world as uh, a leader, and I, I know I'm sure Luke definitely can uh, relate, you're going to get a lot of conservative Christian pushback, hatred. Um, I think what I wasn't prepared for, especially with TikTok, just because the platform allows for growth very quickly. And so it's not that I'm just so amazing that 130,000 people decided to follow me. It, I mean, the app is literally designed to gain followers. And so um, there's a bit of a game side to it. Um, but because I got that audience, all of a sudden, all my other social media platforms began to be really inundated with these conservative Christians primarily who believe that my message is dangerous. And the things I wasn't prepared for were how just uh, truly careless people seem to be with the words that they say. Um, things like I've had to report at least a dozen death threats uh, in the last four or five months. And I don't think they're serious. I think most of these are high school kids saying stuff. But just, I mean, again, another side of social media, right, is that people forget that this is human interaction happening. And it is so gamified that mm -hmm. it's easy to dehumanize the other and actually uh, threaten physical violence because we don't have any sense of humanity or personhood. And, um, you know, in the Bible, it says in Ephesians chapter six, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. I want to turn that on its head. I think people need to remember <laughs> that the arguments we're having are against flesh and blood human beings, not just disembodied ideas. Um, and and I tried to do that, which helps me not take everything so personally. I can empathize because I used to be the fundamentalist 12-year-old on YouTube making all sorts of comments, um, but also trying to give a better example of how to respond to that with grace and to remember and show that the person on the other side, despite how hateful they might be towards me, is a human, is wrestling with these questions. Um, and again, it's just a very uh, tight line to walk. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned earlier that you're kind of beginning to consider 
um, and uh, you know, by the work that you're doing on TikTok and in other spaces, you're considering what it looks like to build a faith community that isn't kind of wed to walls that, you know, and we've all moved online in various different ways, or those of us who have been able to have moved online over the past year and very much had to find community and shared experience online. I remember way back at the beginning of our first lockdown here in the UK, we were in lockdown number three that's ending a week. No, less than a week. Oh my gosh, we're, 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 we're less than a week away. Um, but yeah, so we. I remember way back in lockdown one, uh, this time a year ago, and the novelty to begin with of, um, oh my gosh, I don't have to travel three hours to see someone or I don't have to spend money on a ticket or you know, I can connect with whoever I want to whenever I want to. But then the slowly but surely the kind of steady mission creep towards, oh my gosh, I'm looking at my phone too much. Or, you know, I want to be able to talk to my friends without staring at my screen. Um, and I, I've noticed like one of my kind of Lenten commitments was to kind of reduce my screen time. So I've kind of put a limit on my phone from like 9.30 in the evening until 8 the next morning. Um, and then try to like set other time limits because I just noticed just how much I was using my phone. And for me, that was becoming quite difficult. So I guess I'm wondering, my long-winded question is focusing, and you're talking about building spaces uh, that aren't defined by walls. And I wonder what that looks like in a post-COVID era when people are going to want a bit of both, are going to want to be able to meet in person and actually hug someone. Um, (laughs) But also, you know, actually, it's great that we're having this conversation now across time zones and across a massive ocean. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly right. This is the paradox of this moment. Mm. I think um, COVID has leveled the playing field. So, I mean, before COVID, just in my world, the church world, mega churches were really the only ones who could reach thousands of people on the internet with content. Now, the church of 12 people in the obscure village is online and has equal access to people. And people are finding, for instance, inclusive affirming faith communities. I mean, one of the best parts of this TikTok thing that's happened to me is that on uh, Thursday nights for the past four months, I've been leading a Zoom Bible study and we have 200 people registered from literally every continent around the world, except for Antarctica. And, uh, And it's really just incredible to be able to have deep, meaningful connection. Like before COVID, I didn't know what Zoom was. I hate it. FaceTiming, I don't like this in general, I would rather be in person, but like, I think we've all adapted and seen just how powerful this virtual technology can be and how true the connection can be we have with people. And uh, you're right, I think we're going to need to find ways to continue to connect uh, in person. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think we can just go back again, speaking from the religious community standpoint, to just gathering in person anymore. I think there's going to need to be a digital aspect, primarily because before I transitioned out of Mission Gathering, my faith community in San Diego, I mean, we had 40 or 50 people that became digital members of our church. Um, And so, I mean, it's a big question. Like, those people feel really connected into our community. And I think a lot of the impulse for many communities is going to be to go back after COVID and kind of turn off the iPhone camera that they've been using to stream their service and go back to normal. But if you do that, we're going to really destroy some of the deep relationships that have been formed. And so I just, I think it is a paradox. I think um, I'm committed to digital ministry in the sense I love what I get to do on Thursday nights, but um, 
we've got to figure out a better way to make this a healthy balance. Like, uh, how do we put the phone down, even just to be alone with ourselves for a little while? That's something I don't know how to do. Yeah. And I was just thinking, is it too simple to say that one of the problems with digital online connection is that maybe we're looking, we're focusing more on quantity over quality? Because you were kind of talking about TikTok and how it's designed to get followers. And when you're trying to be an activist, it's really important, I guess, to reach out to as many different people as possible. But how do we find that balance between volume and also real, what we might call quality or deep relationships? Totally. I think that, I mean, I just saw um, an activist friend based in New York posting about this this morning. And this is a real this is before COVID a question. Uh, we are in an age of internet activism. And I think there are about 20%, 25% of internet activism is helpful. Uh, but that's, mo- that's most of what most people do. And then we pat ourselves on the back and say, we posted about Black Lives Matter. And so we're good. That's actually not doing the work. And I think there's a real reckoning moment we're going to have to have once we're all out of lockdowns. And where we really think about, okay, so for instance, now I have 130,000 people on TikTok that know about my fight for LGBT inclusion. How do those people, how do we help those people get involved in their community and actually cultivating conversations and being allies and advocates? Um, And frankly, I've not seen anyone do that particularly well yet. I think we're all, again, just not sure when this is going to end. So it's hard to point people towards something tangible. But I mean, the flip side is this, Remember that this time last year, at least in the United States, we had massive protests across our country. And um, despite the fact that it wasn't particularly COVID safe, um, it was amazing to see how because we had technology and because we all were staring at screens, we watched the death of uh, innocent black lives in America. And we all were faced with that. And we actually did take to the streets and we did um, really push for change and it actually did something. So I think there's glimmers of hope, but we've just got to move beyond the tweet, the blackout post, the whatever to actually doing work. And I guess that's the thing when things move at pace and we, we live in a world now where everything moves so fast. Like if you take your mind, your eye, your mind off the ball for a second, then the conversation has moved on. You know, the, whether it's a, the latest fad or another protest or something, unless you keep your finger on the pulse, it can quite quickly feel like that you've you've missed out. And so I think because of that, uh, we are navigating a space where there aren't really rules of engagement anymore. We don't quite know how to operate in these spaces. You know, what is good behavior? Well, you know, how do we act lovingly, kindly um, uh, with one another in these spaces while still offering the capacity for for challenge um, and still offering the capacity for change? Recently, a friend of mine shared some wisdom. She doesn't claim for herself, and I think it has origins in in Buddhism, but it's this idea of when we're speaking, is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it true? Um, And I feel like we need some of that in our kind of online discourse too, because sometimes things are necessary and and they are true and and that you know we then think well how do we say say this in a in a kind way or or a gentle way um but sometimes we do just need to call things out for what they are and i think we're navigating these complexities now where 
you've got the social media warriors like you know the what perhaps might have been in the olden days the armchair activists um and it's kind of like well now where are these rules these rules of engagement that we can operate safely with one another yeah and i think i mean precisely the, the conversation around cancel culture has been big during covid and i think it's a legitimate conversation in some sense because it all stems back to exactly what you're saying i think we need to speak truth to power we need to call out especially public figures that do things that are wrong and an abuse of their power and we still have to remember that these are human beings and we all know at some level what it's like to be on the other side of social media when you're being attacked and you feel like you can't defend yourself or there's no point in defending yourself and so i just think i mean that kindness factor is important and i actually think things like zoom and like what we're doing right now even though uh, my camera's not working uh, mm. the fact that we can see people um, and covid has helped us do that is I think a great tool for helping uh, personalize online dialogue. There's also this new app that I don't know how to use called Clubhouse that it seems like everyone is starting to use. Um, and I think that's a great option for personalizing because it's actual voices communicating with each other in these spontaneous conversations all over the internet. And as long as there's a human connection beyond text on a screen, I think uh, we can move towards healthier online dialogue. And I honestly think that's where the future is heading. We're not going to be uh, typing in comment wars in five years. We're going to be talking to each other in audio chat or something like that. And I think that will be more helpful, hopefully. Yeah, I really hope so. <laughs> yeah. What would your vision be, Brandon, maybe for particularly the spheres in which you're working? How would you love to see things maybe like five years time? Yeah, I mean, there's one side of this. And again, I might sound very out there, but I think the technology is going to speed up so tremendously. Um, again, we're in this like unbelievable moment in human history where in the past 20 years, the world has changed and evolved more than it has throughout the past 600,000 years. Like humanity has evolved at such a rapid pace that in five years or 10 years, I mean, who knows what our technology is going to look like and how we're going to be able to connect. But I think my vision, both on the activist and on the religious front is I want to keep using digital community to connect real people. Um, and to especially, I mean, the LGBT youth that reach out to me in email from TikTok and say, Hey, I'm in no name town in Arkansas. And I don't know anyone that I can talk to. Um, and I've learned now, it's not my job to actually take on all these requests and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. I can't do that. But because of these platforms, I now know 130,000 people and at least 10 of them have to live in Arkansas somewhere. Uh, and so there's opportunity to create mm. real connection. And I want to keep seeing that happen. And then on the activist side, like we were just talking about, I think we need to see social media as a touch point. It's where we go a couple times a day, maybe a couple times a week, we get information, we find out what's going on, we hear what our crowd of people are saying. And then we back away and say, how do I take what I've just processed and apply it to my own life? But I think we haven't figured out how, how to have a good relationship with technology yet, at least most of us. And so mm -hmm. that's just something we're going to have to wrestle with increasingly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what you're talking about, the kind of the speed and, and, and pace of technological transformation. I've been watching For All Mankind recently, which is a, a space uh, 
I'm a I'm a space nerd, um, and it's a it's like <laughs> it really a, a, is. A, a really um, it's a series that kind of offers an alternative timeline to the first lunar landing, and what would have happened if the Russians landed, the Soviet Union would have landed before the Americans, and it prompts a whole new space race. Um, but you look at the technology that they they had. Um, and you know the technology that's in a, an average calculator, let alone my iPhone, is more powerful than what the rockets they sent the astronauts to the moon in. Um, and so you think of then the, the pace of change that has occurred, as you said, even in the last 10 years compared to the lunar landings, um, yeah. it's phenomenal. And I think as a species, we like to think we're cutting edge and innovative. And in many ways we are because we create these wonderful things. But we're also still quite... Um, slow beings it takes us time to adapt socially in these like in our, in our cohesive groups um and i think we're still kind of we're, it's almost like we've got a bit of reverb like there's a bit of shock uh almost maybe whiplash where we've kind of come up we've been going at such fast speeds throwing in another sci-fi re- reference we've been going at warp speed we've got like we've got the whiplash yeah i and again like it, it sounds so out there i think we really do. I invite everyone listening to like take a second and contemplate what is happening in just your lifetime. Or uh, for so many people, if you're above the age of 30, like in the last 20 years of your life, um, it's incredible. And I think we really are evolving into some sort of new kind of humanity. What is coming is just going to be different elon musk is already uh, connecting things into people's brains and doing all kinds of interesting things like that this isn't science fiction anymore this is the new reality we're emerging into and that's going to prompt religious conversations philosophical conversations mental health conversations about what it means because frankly we can't go back from being connected to screens that's not possible i don't as much as some of us would like it i just don't think that's possible so how do we figure out how to healthily incorporate these things into our lives as tools and not as our gods and masters Um, so yeah Mm. you were saying earlier brandon that application kind of the the next stage that sometimes we miss out on like we do the easy thing of sitting there i mean i do this i keep hashtag pay your workers to all the fast fashion brands um and i'll sit there for half an hour and just get really aggy with all of them on instagram um which you know has its place but it's easier to do those things than to make physical changes um or than to go and have a conversation with someone directly about that issue yeah and here's the thing about like even that like I'm I'm with you on uh, all the issues within the fashion industry, and yet in this moment like this is the contradiction of our activism. A lot of us will post and do stuff like that, and then go use Amazon to buy cheap clothes. Um, or uh, I mean, I've been guilty of one time. Don't judge me, anyone. You probably should actually. Um, I ordered Primark at the beginning of. Uh, Yes, don't. Brandon. I was literally when you literally entered just, <laughs> before you arrived. Was off on one. I was ranting about Primark, and then you entered to, into the little squadcast thing, and I was having a rant. So, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, so no judgment. The, do continue. Sorry. You no, know, you should. Uh, it, and the quality of clothes are just terrible, anyways. But uh, I, I bought some Primark stuff, and yet. I, I just feel like that's the tension we're living in. A lot of us will say Black Lives Matter and then support white supremacy or not confront it in our families or in our church groups or whatever. Like, 
so there's just if we're going to be if we're, if our hope is to be healthy whole good people we need to wrestle internally um with these contradictions because it's far too easy to become zombies and just to be like yep i'm going to tweet because that's what the liberal echo chamber i'm i know that's a weird way to put it but i feel like we live in our spaces if you're conservative you're surrounded by conservative media if you're liberal you're surrounded by uh liberal media and there's sort of a social cachet that carries you have to tweet right you have to post there's a social pressure which i think is both good and bad it's good that we're being pressured to think about things and speak up it's bad because we're only doing it so many of us for the social cachet of it and to get the credit so our friends see us doing the right thing virtue signaling but we're not actually doing the real work and that's something all well-meaning people i think need to be thinking about yeah and I guess it, it speaks to kind of, and this is something that Holly and I have spoken about in other episodes, but also is something that I think we both personally wrestle with. Perhaps you do as well, Brandon, is this sense of the systems are broken um, in so many ways, whether we're talking about social media, whether we're talking about where we where we shop, what we wear, what we eat. Um, we live in a world where there are broken systems and therefore we are complicit in those broken systems. And at times there is absolutely no other way around it other than to be complicit. And we have to find a way to sit with that um, and to find peace with it. Otherwise, you know, I know personally, it can send you into this dark depths of despair because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything without, you know, screwing over someone else. And sometimes every option is shit. And that's the reality. Wrestling with that, I think, is part of the the part of this kind of good practice that we're talking about today. It's, you know, acknowledging that, not using it as kind of, a, oh, therefore I shouldn't do anything, but saying, okay, this is where we're at. This is the progress that we've made as a species. Um, and this is where my, this is my part in it right now. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just to give a glimmer of hope in the midst of that feeling that I so resonate with. Please do. I think, <laughs> I think technology, in some sense, is salvation in this regard. Uh, I don't know if you all saw the story, but it was probably two months ago. A bunch of folks on Reddit, like millions of folks on Reddit, uh, and I won't be able to describe it quite well because I'm not involved in this world, but it was with the stock market and the oh, Robinhood yeah. app and organized and took on wall street which is something that was not supposed to happen the system has been built so that cannot happen and yet through the power of technology and organizing we figured a group of people figured out a way to screw with the system and kind of show how false and broken it is and offer a glimmer of hope for reforming uh, this massive financial system that is complicit in so much injustice and i think technology is going to keep giving us Again, equal access, leveling the playing field so that uh, both through ethical means and like uh, ethical hackers, which it was, I didn't know was a thing. I heard uh, just had a conversation with somebody who does that for a living. Like there are people figuring out how to use technology for good to challenge systems and structures. And there are ways that we can all actually be a part of it that weren't possible 20 years ago before the internet existed. So I think... There's a lot of hope for reform coming uh, through technology. And uh, it's also the bane of my existence most days. So <laughs> It's a little bit like, I do love an analogy, Brandon, and I love food. <laughs> it's kind of like the internet is a bit like a cake mm. in that having it 
the right size portion is really satisfying and you can do a lot with it. It gives you some energy and you get the excitement. If you go wild, you get like a sugar head, you feel sick and you don't achieve anything. Yeah. I think that's it. I mean, uh, my my analogy is usually biblical for better or for worse. And uh, I, Paul talks about everything is uh, everything uh, is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Mm. And I think that's the idea. Like it's permissible for all of us to be on social media. It's permissible for us to engage in online activism. The question we should be asking is, is this going to benefit me or is this going to benefit anyone else if I do it? And if not, maybe we should learn a bit of self-restraint, which is something I'm wrestling with in counseling these days, frankly, because I I feel like we're in an era where we have been taught and conditioned to be impulsive and not have self-restraint because of the internet and the quickness of it. And I think if we could all learn a little bit of breathe, take 10 seconds, process what we're about to do before we do it, uh, I think that would slow down a lot of the internet hate speech we see. I think that would slow down a lot of the impulsive, uh, whatever else we might be doing on the internet, buying, whatever. Um, So it's just relearning how to be human uh, in relationship to this new virtual world we're living in. Yeah. And this idea, absolutely, this idea that, you know, just because we've got the freedom to do something, you know, we often we hear, oh, my freedom means that I can do what I want. Um, uh, but asking that question and maybe even the kind of the question that links into that as well, that is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it true? Uh, these are good questions to be asking ourselves uh, when we consider we are free beings, uh, but that doesn't always mean that we can do what we want whenever we want to. And that applies to our online lives as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole, all of these major philosophical questions I feel like are coming into play. I was just thinking about the nature of human freedom and whether freedom is actually a great thing uh, in its fullness in the way, at least we Americans understand it, because most of people are using freedom as uh, a way to oppress people and to pass policies here in the U.S. to marginalize LGBT folks because of their religious freedom. We're entering into a new world and we've got to have new conversations because the old ways of thinking will not work anymore. Uh, The world is fundamentally changed. We're going forward, never going backward. And so let's, I mean, spaces like this, I just, again, for those listening, have these conversations, grab a pint, sit down with people and have a conversation about this, about your own life. Because the worst thing we could do is to just shut off our thinking mechanisms and go with uh, the technological addiction and the way things uh, are going on Facebook and Instagram with uh, hate speech and blah, blah, blah. No, let's be thoughtful. Let's live a mindful, examined life. And if we do that, I think we can relate to technology in a in a very useful way. We never know where our conversations are going to go in the podcast. We've sort of talked a lot about technology, which I don't know if would be in our list of the things that we normally sort of chat about, but actually it's so entwined with our lives at the moment. This has been a really thought-provoking conversation, so thank you. No, thanks for having me. And you're right. Like, I don't talk about technology ever, but I'm so grateful for the space to do this. And so thanks for opening it up. Yeah, thank you so much. I think given that we're all keen conversationalists, this conversation probably could have gone on for several more hours. And so I think probably what we'll have to say is we will get another conversation with you at another time because oh, I feel like we've just started to to scratch the surface at a gold mine of, of great dialogue. 
Yeah, I would love to. And Lord willing, this time next year, I'll be on a, the first plane to the UK because I need to get out of the US for a while. And uh, we can do it in person uh, post-COVID. So You do realize, though, Brandon, we'll probably be crossing planes in the air because Luke yeah. and I will be desperate to get out of the UK. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Brandon. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. So we are really grateful to Brandon Robertson for joining us in our conversation today for the time and energy that he gave and also for his ongoing commitment to innovation. <laughs> Quite there, Luke. And also to his ongoing commitment to innovative spaces. Congratulations for getting that word out, can I just say? Innovative. <laughs> I really enjoyed Brandon talking to us about the way that he's connecting with people. And I guess this reminds me something that we need to remind viewers of. What is that, Holly? Tell us, what do we need to remind the viewers of? They're not Can viewers, I... they're listeners. <laughs> oh, damn it. They're not well, viewing if... us. Oh, but they wish they were. Um, so, dear listeners, please do connect with us. The best way you could do this is by hitting subscribe or like. Yeah, you know, we do like a gratuitous like in whichever context you manage to come across us. So, don't be shy. Give us a like. Please. And this also really helps other people to find us and join in that conversation. And we're all about more people joining the party. And why would they not want to listen to such riveting dialogue that sparks such joy? So do join us again next week for the upcoming instalment of the Worldly Wellbeing podcast. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram. Check out our bio information to find us there. We'll also be sharing some links to Brandon's social as well and some of the work that he's getting up to in the US. And you'll find the link to our website, worldlywellbeing.org. Oh, and also, very excitingly, we've made a Facebook page as well. So there's so many ways you can find us. There's no excuse not to. So we look forward to hearing from you soon and you will hear from us this time next week. Peace and love. Ciao for now.